All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, Romans chapter 10 will be a very important passage for us this morning, uh, but we're going to be in quite a few passages. Um, if you remember from last week, we talked about the gospel, and now we're moving into uh, our mission, Covington, and then what happens when you apply the gospel to your mission, uh, you have family. And so that'll be next week, and basically this is our ministry process for Redemption Church. All right, we start with the gospel that is foundational to who we are and what we do. And then we move into our mission, which is the city in which we are planted. And then we see what happens when you apply the gospel message to the mission of Covington. You get new brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is our goal. And that is what is happening uh, in our city. And so we're going to clarify today uh, the mission for Redemption Church. All right, so let's pray and then we'll dig in. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of work. We're going to do a lot of contextualization for the city of Covington. You're going to learn things about the city you may not know or might be just review. All right. But we've got to learn the city in which we are reaching. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you open up our eyes and our hearts to the people around us. I pray that we act compassionately, that we go out and be bold with our message and that we are convinced that it is the gospel that brings salvation, and that it's your power that enables it to do so. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I, as a young kid, uh, we would watch Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, you have uh, a couple of characters. you got the Cowardly Lion. Uh, you got the Tin Man, the Scarecrow. you got Toto, the dog. Um, are you guys familiar with Wizard of Oz? That's way before your time. Anybody's? There's a better one called The Wiz, where you can move on down the road, move on down the road. But for this, what happens, they, they come to this field. They, they finally see Emerald City, their mission uh, to get to the great and powerful Oz so Dorothy can get home. Uh, that's the mission, and, and everybody's headed to the Oz to, uh, to see uh, the guy behind the curtain to get what they need. And they see their mission, but the Wicked Witch of, I forget what direction, I think I'll say West. Is it West? Wicked Witch of the West, um, puts a spell on these flowers, their poppies. And as they go through this field, they fall asleep. The dog falls asleep first, and then Dorothy, and then the lion, and they can't move. And then finally there's a snowstorm that covers up the smell, and they're able to move on with their mission. And I think sometimes the church, you start out clearly, hey, this is our mission, but somewhere along the line we get caught smelling the flowers, and we forget the mission in which we were called to. And so today is just a, a sounding the gong of, hey, this is our mission. This is what we are supposed to be doing. And now check this out. Look at the movie dominating the box office right now, The Avengers. Right? You have this mighty drama of good versus evil. Can they overcome? You want to know why that's so popular? Because that's the reality into which we are called. There is a magnificent drama in real life, and you are called to the mission. And you see the power of God at work, and He includes us in on His mission. It is an awesome thing to be included in the drama that is the mission God is about. And then to use another illustration to help us understand what we're trying to do today. In the sport of football, one team is trying to take the other team's possession. So one team's going this way. We want to gain yards going this way to the field to eventually get in the end zone. The team on defense says, nope, this is our land. You're not touching it. 
You're not coming an inch further. And so it is a battle of territory. And the team that wins is the team that occupies more enemy territory and finally gets into the end zone. And you can see how competitive a game gets. Now, multiply that by infinity, and that's the drama that you see that we are in. We are in enemy territory, and yet God and His church will not be stopped. And we are going into enemy territory, occupying it, taking what was God's, turned around by Satan, and saying, no, this, he belongs to Christ, she belongs to Christ, come home. That's enemy-occupied territory that we are advancing on. Now, you have an enemy that doesn't want you to do anything in his place. So you better be ready for battle. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But before that, Chicago. Did anybody from Dixie Heights play on our football team this year? They went to Dixie Heights but played on our team this year? Why? It can't be on our football team, right? In the same way, I want us to be careful because we're talking about the mission that you don't miss the most important part. If you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, you can't be on the mission of the king because you're not in the kingdom. And so it goes back to the gospel. Number one, gospel is the power of God for salvation. We talked about that last week. And that's the good news. You were dead in your sin and trespasses, and yet Christ comes, lives a perfect life, dies on the cross, taking our sin on the cross, giving us His righteousness, so that when I stand before the Father, He sees the righteousness of Christ, not my sin, because it's been paid for. That is the gospel. And so you have to tackle that first. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can't be a part of His mission. And so today, some of you might need to make that decision. You don't know Christ. You're not living on mission. You're, you're consumed with yourself. You've never called on Christ to save you from your sin. And yet the Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can make that decision today. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And then next we see that the gospel is for spreading. We don't keep that to ourselves. We take it out. And you see all throughout the book of Acts and in Colossians 1, 5, and 6, it sees that the gospel is bearing fruit and going throughout the world. The fact that we are sitting here talking about the gospel is evidence of the power of the spreading of the gospel. It didn't start in the United States. It started in Jerusalem. But it got here. Why? Because the gospel is for spreading. So... The last thing I want to see happen is that the gospel gets stuck here on 603 East 17th Street. I want to see it throughout our city. And, and then finally, the gospel is for sanctification. And, and we put up this prayer uh, last week, and I think it's important to, to see this prayer because it, it reminds us of preaching the gospel to ourselves daily. You don't get uh, away from the gospel. It's constantly reminding, hey, this is what Christ has done for us. Now, this is how we walk. So, number one, in Christ there is nothing I can do. That would make God love us more. Nothing that I have done that can make God love us less. Why? Because it's based on Christ's work for us. Christ cannot be any better. He is perfection. And He gives that to us. The work on the cross is finished. There's nothing that we can add to, to it or take away from it. And so that frees us up to live and serve and worship God. You don't come before God because you think you're worthy. You don't come before God because you know you're unworthy. You come before God because you know Christ and you're worshiping Him. 
Second part of the prayer, your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. This frees you up from serving other idols. Because some, I'll just go through some of the people in the room. Some of us think that a sport can give us joy that only the gospel can. Some of us think a job can give us joy that only the gospel can. Some of us think retirement can give us joy that only the gospel can. I think that in 14 days there's joy coming. There is joy coming, but it's not everlasting joy. Only the presence of Christ can give me everlasting joy. That's the gospel. And so it frees me from saying, oh, if I just had this, I'd be happy. Or if I just had this, or just a little bit more of this, that frees me up, frees my heart up from idols. And I need to remind myself all the time because it's constantly changing. Right? So when my brakes go out on my truck, man, if I just had a better truck, I'd be happy. Nope. That's right. All I need is Christ and his presence is the fullness of joy. Or maybe prom. Prom doesn't go the way you guys want it to next week. And you're like, ah, if I just had a better date, I'd be happy. Nope, Christ is the one. And His presence is the, the one that will give you everlasting joy. This is a constant reminder. Right? The first one keeps us from pride and despair. Right? If, if I can't add and I can't subtract from how God loves me, that means if I have a bad week, I can still come in and worship. And if I have a good week and I do everything that I think I should have done, and I come in, I'm not going to be prideful. Why? Because my work is based on Christ. That's number one. Number two keeps us from miles. Number three, as you have been to me, so I will be to others. That's motivation for action. When you look at the generosity of Christ and his grace, if Jesus can forgive me what I've done, I should be able to forgive others when they do something against me. And that's a reminder of the gospel. And that's going to come up all over the place. It'll come up at work. It'll come up at school. Can you turn? So when someone caps on you, can you say, nope. You know, when my sin took Christ to the cross, I can endure the embarrassment that this guy just did to me. I'm not going to respond the way I want to. I'm going to run to Jesus on the cross. I'm not going to return uh, how I want to to this guy and say what I want to say. That's the power of the gospel, and you've got to preach it to yourself daily. And then, finally, as I pray, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. That gives us boldness for the mission that we're called to. Right? If Jesus was willing to lay his life down for us, it motivates us. Hey, if he's willing to do that, he'll give us anything for the mission he's called us to. And then if he's powerful enough to raise his life from the grave, he's powerful enough to help us accomplish the mission he's called us to. That gives us boldness in our prayers. That's why missionaries go across the globe, because they see the power and compassion of Christ on the cross. That's why Christians should be willing to risk everything for the glory of God. That's why Christians won't renounce their faith even though their life is on the line. Because it's measured against the compassion of the cross and the power of the resurrection. And then that moves us into Covington. We go from the gospel to Covington. And so let's look at Covington, the city. There's a verse in Jeremiah Jeremiah 29, 7, it says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And so the, the, God's people have been captive, and they're going into exile, into Assyria, and into Babylon. So he says, hey, Seek the welfare of the city where you're going, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare, or in its peace you will find your peace. And, and so God is calling his people to call for the city in which you are going. Now, I want us to be careful. This was a specific request to Jeremiah and to the people in Israel hundreds of years ago. However, it is applicable to us today in that we are exiles here. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from there, we await Christ. While we are here, we pray for the city of Covington. 
And when you look at the city of Covington, there's a lot to pray for. Right? And so that's what we're going to get into. Um, I was asking some of the students, how many neighborhoods do you think are in Covington? How many are, are they divided up into? And, and I think it's interesting. There are 24 neighborhoods in Covington. And the cool part is we have people that live or work in about half of those neighborhoods. In 2013, um, Redemption Church uh, had zero families living in the city. It was uh, my wife and I and three girls driving into homes. And, and I, was, I was told in the, the early church planning starts, uh, ask yourself eventually this question. If your church will close its doors, would the city know that you left? Right? And it was, it was talking about how we should be making an impact where we live and where we worship. And I thought for that first year when we were trying to sell our home and move and do all that good stuff, um, I read that quote and that was discouraging. I'm like, no. And it would save us some gas money. And save us a fight on the way back because the girls already got distracted from the Bible story we just learned at Holmes Middle School out there on the picnic area table. But now I think the answer is a little bit different. I know Holmes High School would feel a difference. Holmes Middle School would feel a difference. Some of the elementary schools would feel a difference. Some of our neighborhoods would feel a difference. And that's you, you guys are an answer to prayer. You guys are on mission that God has called you to. There's a lot of things that our church does that you guys will never know about. And I don't think we have to broadcast it, but we're meeting needs in the city and we're telling them about Jesus, which is transformational. It is making an eternal difference. And so I just want us to look at the neighborhoods. And this is what I ask you to do. On your way out, grab one of these. You guys have seen them before that we, when we did our uh, prayer event here. We had these. Um, it's a map of all of the cities. And I want you to take it and just take turns praying for a city a day, or maybe you just make it a city a week. All right, so that would be 24 weeks. That would be half a year uh, that you guys are praying. So neighborhood number one, Austinburg. Austinburg. Has anyone heard of Austinburg? I hope so, because that's our city, or that's our neighborhood. Uh, uh, Redemption Church is right here. You have Oakland Avenue and 17th. We are right in here, right on this block. Right, so Redemption Church, this is the Austinburg neighborhood. There are over 2,500 people that are in walking distance of this church. Now, right now, you should see a problem. If everybody came to Christ, where would we fit the people? We don't even have 100 people in here right now. You think we could fit 2,500 people? I would love to have to worry about that problem, though. Right? 2,500 people right here. At the rate in which we are going, though, how long would it take for them to hear the gospel? Would it take a week, a couple years? Here's, here's one of my convictions as a pastor. I will not be here and let this be a place where people can live and not hear the gospel. So over the summer, I'm hoping to take some students, some of you guys, and we're going to go street by street, house by house, Build relationships with people. As we see needs, we're going to meet it, and we're going to tell them about Jesus. That's the Austinburg neighborhood. Um, we have some people living in this neighborhood, too, right? Then the next neighborhood we're looking at is the East Side neighborhood. Again, over 2,000 people, and it is the home of the best outdoor basketball courts in Covington, Randolph Park. Also, very cool pool. So residents of Covington, you get free pool access. Um, you have a splash park. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But then this pool right here has a deep end. You can dive in and not worry about hitting your head on the bottom of the pool, right? Also, the Cathedral Basilica, if you guys have ever been in there, I had to go in there when I was in college, we had to do a field trip, right? Beautiful work of art, 
awesome pipe organ, uh, the Basilica, which is on uh, Madison Avenue, and then the Lincoln Grant School, which has been transformed into a, uh, a housing unit. Uh, but it used to be a high school. When we were segregated in the city, um, Lincoln Grant uh, was the high school for our African-American brothers and sisters. And so now you see a rich history, but then you also see, oh, a little bit of a divide. And as you see in the neighborhoods, Covington is still very divided. All right. All right, next one. You have Helentown, which is a buffer between the east side and Austinburg, population of about 900 people. Does anybody live in this neighborhood? It's divided by the railroad tracks. It's a, it's a smaller neighborhood, and so I don't know anybody yet, but it's Helentown in between Austinburg and the east side. Next one is the historic West 15th Street. Guess what? It's located on 15th Street. It's historic because of... It's historic because of its buildings. Funny thing is, uh, Julianne and I, in our desperation to move out of our parents' house, my parents' house, uh, we looked at a house on 15th Street. And so hey, we were, at this point, taking anything. If it would stand up, we would take it. Um, but that is a small little neighborhood right in the middle of Covington. Next neighborhood is Wallace Woods. Uh, neighborhood, about 1,700 people. We have a couple people that live in this neighborhood. Uh, if you remember Coach Grammer from... Uh, two years ago, he's living in this neighborhood. There's a, a, an apartment complex uh, closer towards the Licking River. Um, and, and so Wallace Woods, which is really close to Holmes High School. Then you get the Peaselburg neighborhood. Peaselburg is a huge neighborhood. You got about 3,500 people. Um, you have a couple landmark churches and then the Boys and Girls Club. Have any of you guys played basketball in the Boys and Girls Club? Quite a few. That is where I started my basketball days, there and then Turner's Hall. So you walk through a bar for Turner's Hall, go downstairs, run into the wall for out of bounds. When we got to the Boys and Girls Club, I thought we were living right. You don't run into the walls as bad as you do at Turner's. That's Peaselburg neighborhood. Then you have Lavasser Park. Lavasser Park um, is the location of Holmes High School. You, you see the, the field and uh, the basketball court. Uh, they also have a futsal court, which is the way I would like to play soccer, um, a really small soccer field. You can score from the opposite goal. You don't have to worry about running up and down on the field. So I got to get a key. I got to get in there. That looks awesome. And so Lavasser Park, that's where, uh, that's where Holmes High School and Middle School are. City Heights. City Heights has over 1,000 people and has one of the best views in the city of Covington. So to get there, you got to go down Madison Avenue, turn left on 19th, go a couple stop signs, and then you'll take a left up a hill, and you uh, get to City Heights. Now, I believe we, we have a couple people that go here uh, that live in this neighborhood, um, and we want to make a huge impact in this place. And so on your way up there, there's two neighborhoods that you run across. Has anyone heard of Monte Casino? I don't think we have anybody that lives in Monte Casino, but you pass Monte Casino and then Coors Lane, uh, two smaller neighborhoods uh, going up your way to City Heights. Then you have Latonia. Now, Latonia is divided up into four different neighborhoods, and just for the sake of time, I just understand there's about 9,000 people that live here. So we live across from a place called the Terrace. The Terrace has about 400 housing units has about a thousand people living in it. 
We have a couple students that, that come here that are, are from that place. I, whenever I see like multiple people living in close proximity, that is an awesome opportunity to share the gospel. And, and what happens is God shows up and transforms a family who transforms one of the buildings, and, and it just spreads like wildfire. It is an awesome thing to see God move in power in places you're like, does God do anything there? Yeah, God does a ton of stuff there. He changes eternities. He, he sets guys that were going this way for a new trajectory, and, and he sets them on fire for his glory. It is an awesome thing to see God at work. And so that is, Latonia, you've got a cool splash park. Um, do we have any lifeguards at the splash park? We got a couple guys. Bud Whimsy, uh, an assistant coach that I coach with, uh, runs some of the, the pool. And, and so this is the place you go if you want to be a lifeguard. You don't got to worry about jumping in and saving someone drowning because you're just splashing around. Now, you got to be careful of people running. And then I put up Moonrise Donuts. Um, Moonrise Donuts, uh, they showed up on our cleanup day uh, with some donuts. And there's a difference. There's a difference. I'm a huge fan of Dunkin' Donuts. I love their coffee. Um, but nobody was picking Dunkin' Donuts over Moonrise on that Saturday. And there's a reason. Great donut spot. So that is Latonia. We have several people that live in that neighborhood. Uh, we have South Covington. Uh, so you go past Latonia, you, you keep going. This is the, the annex spot from, uh, uh, I guess it's been about 20 years. Um, a lot of people live there. We have one family driving in from uh, South Covington. Then you go the opposite direction, the Licking Riverside. Licking Riverside. Uh, if, if you go to the Roebling Bridge, you're in the Licking Riverside. It's uh, there at the point between the Licking River, which is, let me get this right, which is right here. If you follow it all the way down, you'll eventually get to the Ohio River. Also learn that the Licking River flows north, one of the few rivers in the United States that flows north. I had no idea. Still would not eat catfish from the Licking River. Not yet. <laughs> then you have the Central Business District. Central Business District is downtown. Uh, you have things like uh, Hotel Covington and Coppins, which is a pretty cool spot to stay. And then the Madison, which is where you guys have prom at, which is an awesome spot for a prom. And then I, I put down this, the IRS building, which is closed up. Uh, one thing that we need to be praying for, and you're going to hear more when we get to the condition of the city, um, that was a huge employer in our city. And it's closed, and now we have a huge opportunity. You have all of this space that used to be IRS, and so you have parking and Something very cool could come in. It could bring jobs. It could bring infrastructure. Uh, and, and so that's one thing. That's why I put it on there. And that's in the Central Business District neighborhood. Then you have Old Town or Mudder Getz. And I'm not sure I'm spelling or saying that correctly. Uh, that is close to where you live. I pass the sign every time I come by. Do uh, You have a, a historical church, Mother of God, Catholic Church. Uh, in that area, a huge landmark church. Then you have Seminary Square. I thought this was interesting. This is the Western Baptist Theological Institute. Um, there was a split and it closed. Uh, what they wanted to do was send missionaries to the West with the expanding United States. And it closes over the issue of slavery. And some go south and some go west. But man, this would have been convenient when I went to school. I could have gone here instead of having to drive to the Billy Graham School in, in Louisville. And that's right here in the heart of Covington. Uh, next, uh, you'll see West Side which is where St. E. Hospital is, about 2,300 people living there. Uh, Mainstross is a neighborhood. Uh, do any of the students, do any of you guys hang out in Mainstross? All right, all right. It's a pretty cool hangout. You have Goodfellas Pizza, 
uh, which is legit. Whenever you get a pizza that is huge and it's hard to hold in one hand, you know you're at the right place. Uh, and that's a main straw. Uh, Coach Moore from the, the football team uh, lives there. You have Goebbels Park and Pipers. Um, so all that cool spots down there. And then uh, three other neighborhoods, and we'll go through these quickly, Botany Hills, Kenton Hills, and then Lewisburg, where Prince of Peace School is, which we have some connection to. And then DeVue Park is in Kenton Hills. All of these neighborhoods, and I say all this because Covington is not a huge city, and yet we have over 40,000 people. And I love where Redemption Church is going, but we haven't made a dent yet. And when you see the massive amount of people, we have to remember that we are a people called on mission. And we got to remember when you have the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you can do the mission of God. And so that is where we're headed. Over 40,000 people, over 16,000 households. Now, real quick, I also want us to pay, uh, pay. I want us to pray for our government officials. All right, number one, who knows the mayor of Covington? If you know it, so I say his name. Joe Meyer is the mayor. Right, Joe Meyer is the mayor in the city of Covington. Does anybody, don't put this up yet, Shooks. Does anybody know the city manager? I had to look this one up. I didn't know. Larry Klein used to be. Um, some bad things happened, and he resigned. Uh, under it was just a bad relationship between him and uh, the mayor and the commissioners um, the the city manager this is what he does in case you were wondering um, manages the city which is what I was told earlier which does including fire police public improvements recreation budgeting and finance strategic planning development and all operational departments of the city that's a huge job so we need to be praying for this guy and what I would love to see happen is someone who loves Jesus get to this spot Right. So and I don't know this guy, so he might love Jesus. I'm not sure. The city manager is David Johnston. Did anybody know that? I did. <laughs> I got some work to do. And then uh, there's four commissioners and there's 19 boards and commissions, including the Housing Authority, Human Rights and Planning Commission. And listen, I would love for you guys that know Covington, know the needs, get on those boards and commissions. Do what you can to, to make a difference in this city. And in the meantime, let's lift them up. Let's pray for wisdom that God would lead them in the right direction for the good of the city of Covington. Now, education. We should all know this. There's one preschool in Covington. What is it? James E. Biggs. There's five elementary schools. All right, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, want, I want to see this. How many of you guys went to Latonia Elementary? Do we have any Latonia Elementary? All right. All right. Tone Elementary is represented. Ninth um, District. Go ahead, next slide, folks. Ninth District. All right, couple Ninth District. How many at Glen O? All right, John G. Carlisle. And then which one am I leaving out? Sixth District. Anybody went to Sixth District? Home of the best uh, playground. All right, all right. We're, we're pretty well represented. Uh, funny story at Sixth District. Uh, my worst teaching experience ever. I show up to sub for uh, Jim. And if you've ever tried to teach kindergartners, first grade, and second graders gym and try to play dodgeball, it goes bad. So I learned quickly, you cannot do that. No games. We're going to do relay races, and they had fun. But that was a, <laughs> that was a trial by fire, trying to teach gym. So you're talking about hundreds of people in these five elementary schools, and then you have one middle school and one 
high school in Covington is Holmes Middle School and high school, it's on the same campus. Uh, you have about almost, I say around 1,700 students uh, within these schools and you can see that they look alike. Uh, this is the high school, then you have the administration building and then you have the middle school. Across the campus you have Chapman, which is like a vocational school, and then you have the science building. So, and, and our goal as a church is to make an impact in our schools. Right? We want to be involved. We want to make sure uh, that the city knows that hey, we support the government. We want you guys to make good decisions that are good for the people in the city. We want to make sure our, our schools know that, hey, we're supporting you guys. We want to push students if they need help uh, with tutoring and mentoring. Uh, we want to be involved. We want to be active. All right, so that is the city in a nutshell. Now we're going to pick up the pace. Next, the condition. Now, this is very, very important to understand. Right? When you look at the city of Covington, and I asked some of our students, what are some of the, the, the worst things about the city in your neighborhood? I, I did a little survey. Um, answers were all over the board. Whenever you ask students, uh, a group of students questions, you're going to have answers all over the board. So some of the answers are, are some of the ones you knew. Um, fighting, uh, guns, violence, uh, crime. That, that is one of, one of our But in every city, that's a problem. And then we had one of the problems were cats. Uh, that was one of the, the answers. Um, one of the guys, typical guy answer, one of the problems were females uh, in the city. And I think he was saying there weren't enough females because he could not get a girlfriend. And so that was the biggest need in Covington. One guy put leadership, which I thought that, that's an interesting thing. Leadership in the city was lacking. Um, but you want to know what no one said? It was the spiritual condition of the people of the city. This is the number one problem in the city of Covington. It is the fact that people are blind from seeing the glory of Christ. The fact that they are swayed and under the influence of Satan and under the influence of sin and under the influence of selfishness. So they're motivated for themselves. And again, you see this all throughout Scripture, like 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers from, keep, from keeping them from seeing the glory of Christ. Or... You have something like uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2, 25 and 26. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may escape from the snare of the devil. And it's a, it's a very serious thing when you see the condition of the people in Covington. And so what happens is um, every once in a while at, at Holmes High School, we'll have wave of lunch after lunch after lunch and hundreds of students will come in. And I'm just wondering and, and asking, I wonder where... He goes to church. I wonder if, if she knows Jesus. And the majority of people in Covington don't go to church. They're not going anywhere. And so we've got to go to them. You know what happens when a baby has a dirty diaper? you got to change it. You don't expect the, the baby to get up and change his or her own diaper. And the same way, a dead person can't bring himself to life. And so the church, with the good news of the gospel, has to go to them. And so that is the condition of our city, spiritually speaking, which leads us to the church. So what are we going to do about it? So as a church, we want to share the gospel. In Romans chapter 10, this is, this is what we read. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Check this out. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the good news. So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, call on God you will be saved. But then you see a problem. But how are they to call on Him who they have not believed in? How are they to believe in Him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone 
preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then you see, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You see there's one spot in there that gets missed. And it's the church going. We've been sent by God with this message, but if we don't go, they can't hear. And they can't believe if they never hear the message. So, just a question. How many in the room have shared the gospel with somebody this week? Don't raise your hand. I just want you to think, how many in the room have shared the gospel with somebody this week? As a church, that's something we've got to do. Number two, we've got to pray for more workers. And the cool part is, as we're out working, God sends more workers. That's what happens with the church. God rescues someone and then says, hey, now you've got to get to work. Now you're set out on mission. And, and I love it. God heals this demon-possessed man and, and, the, the, and, gets, and he says, do I want to follow you, Jesus? And he's like, no, I want you to go and tell everyone how much God has done for you. He, he turns them back on mission, and that's what happens. If you know Christ, you're called to go on mission. And then thirdly, uh, good works that brings glory to God. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. We want to be motivated to meet needs in the city. And when you have 25% of our population that live under the poverty line, and when unemployment is as high as it is in our city, and when crime is as prevalent in our city, there's a ton of opportunities to meet needs. So for Redemption Church, we provided bedding and mattresses for people that need it. We provided meals and clothing for people that need it. As a matter of fact, one student, um, grandparent died, couldn't afford a burial plot. Redemption Church provided for that. We're meeting needs of urgent, we're meeting urgent needs. Why? Because we want to glorify the Father. So, all of you in the room have abilities to do this. I don't know when it will show up. Some of you can meet needs by coaching. Some of you can meet needs with your neighbors that some of us will never come in contact with. Um, it, it's an amazing thing how God wires us to do different things to meet different needs all to the glory of His name. And then another way we're going to do this is through missional communities. We want to see small groups in every neighborhood. There's 24 of them. A lot of them cannot make it here on Sunday morning. It's too far of a walk. If it's raining or if it's snowing, they won't get here. And so we want to put a small group in their neighborhood. Right? And so what happens is all of a sudden I see, um, let's, say, let's say Cortez. What neighborhood do you live in? you remember? We'll say it's the west side. Right? The west side neighborhood. You live down on 7th, 7th Street. So, that neighbor, so now I know I got a guy that lives there. Now I'm going to be praying for his family that they come to know Christ. And then when his family comes to know Christ, I'm going to be praying for his street. And, and then as different neighbors say, yeah, I do want to follow Jesus. Then all of a sudden, now you have a group of believers together, and, and I want to encourage and equip them to do ministry together in his neighborhood. And then as neighbors come, a neighborhood is reached. And as our neighborhoods are reached, that's how we reach the city of Covington. And so you'll hear more about missional communities in the near future, and then church planning. Eventually, I'd love to have Redemption Church like our elementary schools where there's a place where we gather that is in walking distance of most residents in the city of Covington. So what should we be praying for? We should be praying for more musicians who can lead worship. We should be praying for pastors to be raised up. I've been asking for 20 pastors out of the city. And so we're in it for the long game. 
I believe God is calling some of you guys to be pastors. You know, I'll never be a pastor. Guess what? I said the same thing all the way up until I was 17. And it's funny how God changes your heart and your desires. And so we're looking for eventually uh, locations all throughout the city. And then I want us to close with something called the call. I'm running a little bit late, but I think this is important. One reason why we don't live out on mission is we lack compassion. We lack compassion. And when you look at Jesus was explaining who a neighbor was. And it's the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Guys were walking by a dude that had been beaten and robbed. Left for dead. Guys are walking by. They see him, but there's no compassion. Like, well, that stinks. He's probably dead already. I've got something to do. I, I, I can't stop. I, I, right? What the guys that, that saw him and didn't do anything about they lacked compassion. And then a Samaritan comes, and there's all sorts of, of good stuff in this account that Jesus gives. He, he sees him, and, and the Bible says, Jesus says that this guy had compassion on him. And his compassion led him to get him up, bandage his wounds, take him to a, basically a hospital, say there anything that it cost the, the inn and the doctor, he would pay for on his way back. You see, compassion motivates us to action. And when we see the condition of our city and we do nothing, what happens is we are lacking compassion. So compassion, number one. Number two, is going to take courage. It takes courage to speak about Christ. It takes courage to tell someone, hey, you're not okay. Before God, it's not good for you. And the awesome part is as you ask God for courage, he'll give it to you. And then finally, it takes conviction. Um, Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. That was his conviction. And then he, he gets to the place where he has to go to Jerusalem, lay his life down. So he set his face to go towards Jerusalem, and he wouldn't get distracted. We've got to have a conviction as a church. Hey, this is our mission. This is our city. Let's get it. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that as we hear your word and as we see the people around us. Father, I pray that we are motivated to go and share the gospel message. Father, I pray for those in the room that do not know you. I pray that today they put their faith and trust in you. Father, I pray that as a church that we live on mission for your glory. I pray that our neighborhoods are transformed. I pray for the thousands of people that surround us, that we show them compassion, that we act with courage, and that we are moved by conviction. Father, please don't leave us the same. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.